welcome back to the That's What She Said podcast. This is episode five, our New Year's edition, because it is 2016, a new year. So we've had two New Year's editions then. We had the, we had the, well, no, we had the holiday edition, and now we have this edition. Yes, Kyle, because Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa are separate than New Year's. Do you understand that? We don't include that in like with the holidays. New Year's is a part of that. Do you know what a calendar is? That it changes when it becomes the New Year? I don't. See, this is good. I missed all this while you were gone. You left us all in the cold and you went off. I did. I went to Curacao. It was amazing and beautiful. The natural um, beauty of the, of the, island is amazing. If you ever get the chance to go, it's a Dutch Caribbean island off the coast of Venezuela. I highly recommend it. It's got a bunch of baseball players who have come from there too. Um, So it's a beautiful place to go. I also had the luxury of going to Boston, which we will talk about today on the podcast. People usually don't say the luxury of going to Boston, but you did go to Boston for a good reason. I did. I went for a good reason. I mean, I like Boston. I think it's a great town. And it's, it's better got than Philadelphia, a, so there's that. It is better than Philadelphia, but it has a very um, energetic fan base, which is what I love, and n- nicer, I think, than Philadelphia. Anyway, I was there to see Kobe at TD Garden, his last game. We talked about this a couple day, a couple podcasts ago. So we're going to talk about Kobe on the podcast today. We have one of the Giants' key members of the secondary joining us today. Prince Amukamara will be here, which is really exciting. I know as a Giants fan, Kyle, that's got to be exciting for you. I'm always excited when I get the chance to meet a Giant. So Yeah, and we're going to talk about the Redskins, of course, because why not? I'm not as excited about that. Of course you're not. So if you are a fan of podcasts, sports, Kyle, or myself, or Prince Amukamara, because he's got way more fans than all of the former things that I just mentioned combined, make sure you subscribe to That's What She Said podcast on YouTube and iTunes. So let's jump right into it. Yes, I was in Boston and I went to see Kobe's last game at TD Garden. And pregame, he got a piece of the parquet floor from the Celtics. And they basically were like, thanks for all of the memories. Here's a piece of our floor, which, okay, I guess is nice. But at the same time, I wanted them to do more. There have been so many key games between Kobe and the Celtics over the years. The rivalry is so intense that I was really expecting more out of them. But who I was very proud of were the fans because the fans did exactly what they should have done. So when Kobe was announced for the starting lineup, they showered him with cheers. They loved him. They chanted Kobe. They made him feel welcome at TD Garden for the first time in his entire career. Then, the first time Kobe touched the ball, the booze came raining down. It was so amazing to watch. It it reminded me a lot of when Derek Jeter played his last game at Fenway. This is why I love Boston, because Boston fans know how to be aggressive. They know what their rivalries are, but they also show respect. So every time he got the ball, he was heavily booed, Kobe I'm talking about, and that lasted for the first you know, couple quarters, and he missed most of the first couple shots that he took. I mean, I think he was like 0 for 8 to start the game. So it was really special to see. I loved it. I had great seats. We got them from a friend of Roy Hibbert, who is the center for the Lakers, if you're not familiar with 
basketball because well, as, as you say, you're I'm, not familiar with basketball. basketball. So uh, who, who's yeah. Roy Hibbert and what are the Lakers? Like, are we talking about the Great Lakes in the Midwest? I know. Is that what we're going here You with? don't know anything. No, okay. Um, I feel bad for you. You've Thanks. missed out on a lot Thank you. of great moments. But anyway, so, and then we talked to Roy Hibbert after the game and I said to him, I said, you know, this is going to be such a special moment for you. I said, 10 years from now or five years from now, whenever they come to you, they're going to come and ask you to be part of the Kobe documentary about his final farewell season, if they haven't already. And you are going to be able to sit there and talk about being right next to him on the bench, playing beside him on the court. You're going to be able to be the person to guide all of the viewers through the eyes of sitting next to Kobe through this final farewell season. So I told him, I was like, make sure you really soak this in because this is going to be a really important part of your career. I don't really have anything to go else off of that. I mean, you pretty much just went on a whole tangent about how much you love Kobe, which we've had two podcasts now that started with, I love Kobe, 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 Kobe. I didn't realize you were such a big Kobe fan, and I've known you for close to five years now. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big NBA fan in general, so it just kind of made a lot of sense. My husband is really the Celtics fan, so that's why we went to Boston. So yeah, specifically, I was going to ask, why, why Boston over, say, you, know, you being a Wizards fan, why wouldn't you go see his last game you know, in D.C. or... He already had his last game here at the Garden, which is significantly closer than Boston, but you went to Boston because Peter is... Well, to be fair, he announced that he was retiring after he played his games at the Garden here in New York and I think at the Barclays Center as well. So New York, he cleared off the map and got that done and over with before he announced. So I wasn't able to to do that. So Boston, yes, was because Peter's a huge Celtics fan. So that was the tie there. And we both just kind of, you know, took it in and it was an amazing experience. So anyway, farewell to Kobe. We will talk about you a lot more on this podcast, I'm sure. By the way, he got his first double-double of the season. Well, that's good because he's actually been playing terribly all season. So, And I feel like because he wasn't shooting the ball well in the first half, he stepped it up on defense, hence the double-double. He played well because you were there. He knew. He knew Alexa was in the building. I have to actually play well because she's here as opposed to when she's watching on TV. Yes. And I will post the video on my Instagram when he goes out in the tunnel and Peter's filming it and then turns around and shows me and just the look of like I'm a kid in a candy store. Like that was the most amazing moment for me. Anyway, that was great. Moving on to the Redskins. Actually, we talk a lot about first to worst or in this case, worst to first. The Redskins. You were gone when it was season's over. What do you mean? You weren't here. We didn't even get to do a show. There was two weeks of me not having to, you know, listen to any Redskins stuff. And now... Oh, well, now you're about to get it. Yeah, I'm not Now you're really about to hear it. I'm not happy about any of this. So the Redskins win the division. Mm -hmm. We've got a matchup against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers has not been playing well. They don't look like the Green Bay Packers of old. The Washington Redskins look like a completely different team. Yet I'm still terrified as a fan because as a Redskins fan, this is what we all look for. We all look for the collapse. We all look for what can go wrong. I was in South Africa during the 2012 season when we were playing the Seahawks, listening to RG3 on the radio because that was the only reception we could get in the middle of the jungle in South Africa on my honeymoon. I was listening to RG3's leg essentially combust as the drive was going on and the the horror that I felt for him and all of the fans in the stands was something that I never want to experience yet I'm going to the game on Sunday hoping that our luck has changed somehow Kirk Cousins is a completely different guy than I originally thought he was good that he was because at the beginning of the season he was throwing interceptions like he was Jay Cutler 
and I'm praying to the football gods because they care about football. Yes. That this game does not turn into the last playoff game that I listened to the Redskins because it was a disaster. You're nervous and confident at the same time. I know. We've, we've it's had a, so bizarre. In our, in our pre-show discussions, you were both incredibly nervous at like the first half of the conversation. And then you're like, oh, no, but I think we can win. Like, I think we've got this. Like, our, our, We're good enough. I think we can beat the Packers. The Packers aren't good enough. So you, you have a strange range of emotions going on right now all at the same time, which shouldn't be competing with each other. I kind of don't want the Redskins to win, but that's my own bias. Well, of course. You're a Giants fan. Yeah. But, Kirk but Cousins- you are going to the game. I am going to the game. Yes. Kirk Cousins is named NFC Player of the Month. And then the, the Redskins defense ranks first in the NFL in forced fumbles. So we've not only got offensively, we're on a roll. Defensively, we're on a roll. It seems like we've got the whole package. My biggest fear is that we turn into the Redskins of old and the Packers turn into the Packers of old. Because then we've got a completely different game. But I'm going to go with my gut and say the Redskins are going to win this. But my biggest dilemma is... Should I go to the game or should I watch it from my house? Well, it's a lot more comfortable waking up at the crack of 12.58 p.m. and just turning on the TV. Although it's a four o'clock game, so you you could sleep in even later if you wanted to. That's a great benefit of watching from home. However, it's a playoff game. And as you said, the last time they were in the playoffs, you weren't even in the country and couldn't even watch the game. Now you have the opportunity to go. You pretty much have to go even though the weather's not going to be great in D.C. that day. So when Peter and I watch the games, a lot of the times we'll turn off the broadcast and we'll listen to the radio because we love all of the guys on the radio so much and they're such homers, so we're big fans of that, obviously. And so I told him, I was like, we should get those radio, you know, uh, portable radios that you can take to the game and listen to the radio broadcast during the game because one of the most frustrating parts of when you're at a game is the experience of not being able to understand what's going on. Whereas all the viewers at home know and they're texting you like, oh, did you just see that? Oh, that was totally an interception. Oh, no, no, that was definitely a fumble. And you couldn't see because there's some drunk guy in front of you or you're, you know, you're, you missed it or whatever the case may be. You don't have great seats, although I think we should have great seats. Plus, we have field passes pregame. Plus, I think we have a parking pass. And We're she's a little the one, spoiled. She's the one with a dilemma honest. as to whether or not to go to the game. So, no. all listeners, don't feel bad for her at all. She's sitting here talking. Oh, I don't know. Well, what's if I the forecast? To the Let's look at the forecast. Because the last good. time I went to FedEx, or one of the last times, it was pouring rain and it mm-hmm. was miserable because not only was it cold. Were you prepared for the rain? No. Did I bring a poncho? No. That's what I'm asking. I mean, I will definitely be more prepared. So you'll be prepared this time time for rain. Yes. Which is what is supposed to happen on Sunday. What's the temperature supposed to be? 55 and rainy as of my last look earlier today. FedEx, no matter what, is cold. It could be 100 degrees there and it's cold. I mean, that's a lie. It's not cold. That's not how how that works. No. But it's it's windy. And because it's such a wide open stadium, I hate it so much. It's... I, you know what I wish? I wish this game was played in Lambeau. Not for the sake of my football team, but just for the sake of me. I because mean, I've never been to Lambeau. I would love to go to Lambeau and see it. When I when the Giants game, but... played at Lambeau in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it was freezing, and you saw Coughlin's beat red face, and just everyone was just... Is that the snot yeah, that was frozen on his mustache? Everyone just miserable. I would have loved to have been there. That seemed like a really cool football environment, because you know everyone in there is... It, the place is sold out. Everyone there wants to be there, and they're all into the game. Everyone's about it. That's a cool environment to go. I don't know that I'd ever go to FedEx. Maybe if the Giants were playing and I knew it was a guaranteed win and I could see miserable Redskins fans. But It's not a great stadium. But I'm looking forward to going to the game. And hopefully, 
I can uh, get a poncho and be prepared. So speaking of Coughlin, he decides to resign as head coach of the New York football giants. And Kyle, you are depressed. I'm depressed. I'm angry. And uh, I just don't agree with the decision because it wasn't just his decision. He obviously spoke with ownership and they came to a mutual agreement because we're not going to fire you. I'm not going to retire. Okay, you step down. Everyone just sort of, oh, okay, we all we all like this decision. It's a terrible decision. I do not like it. Um, one of the things I've said is that he wasn't the one who put together the team. And Mara, during the press conference, admitted it wasn't a good team. So if we all know the team wasn't good, I know the team wasn't very good, how is it Tom Coughlin's fault? But yeah, but Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin made terrible decisions <clears throat> yes. this season. Yes, he did. This, this he season... blew a couple games for them, and he mentioned in his season farewell presser that if they were 7-9, and nine, he would have fought for his job. Well, they could have been 7-9 and nine had he not made some of those mistakes. And this some of those true. mistakes were really yeah, bad. Yeah, going forward against the Jets instead of taking the three points, leaving points on the field is never a good decision, especially when you're up. Forgetting how much time is on the clock. By the way, going forward on fourth down, he said he would do it again. He didn't take back that decision. Honestly, in the moment against the Jets, uh, I personally loved the call. I liked the aggressiveness on the goal line. But then you're also counting on your defense to make a stop. And they didn't. And the game just turned on its head sort of after that. So you can't really plan on that. You kind of have to hope that to go, you know, 90 yards, your defense would be able to step up and make a play. They couldn't make a play and that the game spiraled out of control after that. So you blame the GM instead of the head coach? I'm saying if you're going to get rid of the head coach, the GM also has done not a very good job in the last three years, especially in drafting. In free agency, he's only really made one standout purchase, which is Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie. Okay, but compare them to the Redskins, where a lot of their draft choices, especially lower in the drafts, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, are performing for them. So it's not necessarily Reese's fault that he didn't go get guys who can't perform, these guys might just not be performing. That's not Reese's fault. He went and got guys that he felt like would make you know good football players for this team. Yeah, he made picks that have not turned out to be very good picks. But he also saw, which a lot of fans saw, and I've had discussions with other Giants fans, the offensive line has been slowly crumbling since our two Super Bowls. And that happens when people get old. He didn't go out and get guys that can start understudying from what was considered one of the best offensive lines. That Giants offensive line of those two Super Bowls, everyone always credited them. They said, Eli shouldn't be the MVP. The offensive line should be the MVP. Because they, like, if you could give the award to an entire unit, because they were unbelievable, which they were. They didn't let anyone get to him. He had time in, all the time in the world. Hold on. You're suggesting that the Giants should fire their GM and their head coach. Do you know what that means? I'm not suggesting That means it. you're the Cleveland Browns and you okay. are starting over. That means that you are admitting that the season was a failure. Well, the season was a failure. The season's a failure for every team that doesn't win the Super Bowl. I, I sort of live in absolutes in sports like this. If you your goal, I think every there are, year, no, I think there are positives that they can build off. You of, can take positives, and they still have a quarterback. You can take positives. If you've got a franchise quarterback, you're not starting over. No, you're if not. If you're firing the GM and the head coach, you're starting over. That is completely admitting that you need. They've got the tenth pick in the draft. No. You're going to go take a new GM. To, to get a new head coach to go get a 10th pick in the draft and then change the way the setup works? Well, so far, the only really good in the last three years, which is what I was saying for Reese, the only really good standout pick that he's had in the first round was Odell Beckham. Justin Pugh and Eric Flowers, you know, Eric Flowers this year has shown that he might be pretty good down the road, but he's still really raw. Justin Pugh has had a lot of really bad games. Odell Beckham is 
unbelievable and you know he really nailed it on that one but then falling no back, no, no you can't just gloss over that really nailed it on that one he's the top receiver in the yeah, league he is the superstar he's incredible but where among are, superstars where he's the biggest the one second, he's the brightest one where are the second third fourth fifth round picks in the last three years my question that have to been you able though to fill in small roles is if you're gonna fire your gm and keep your head coach who are you gonna bring in as a gm that's gonna be okay with the current head coach it's a Not terrible... many GMs are happy with you picking their guys. That's what they do. That's what the GM position is. They get to pick their own guys. Not unless you promote a guy from within as well, which is something that the Giants wouldn't be afraid to do, keep it in the family type situation, Who a guy who understands that, oh, we've got a good coach. Like you do, you have Tom Coughlin, who is a very good coach. Okay, he but what never I'm saying lost is the locker room. Like the reasons for firing him just didn't make sense, or having him step down didn't make they any absolutely sense. made sense. Not they really. They missed the playoffs the last four seasons. The teams weren't. He had good. a losing record in the last three seasons. If you go six and ten for two seasons in a row, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean that you get to stay a head coach in this league. Is he out there playing? Who? Tom Coughlin. No. Was he motivating the players to play? Because everything that's come out since he stepped down, they all love him. Yes, but the, Kyle... He's motivated every single... His job as the head coach is to motivate the players to get out there and execute the so game plans But it's so much more than that. With. Yes, okay, execute the game plans. It's more executing the game plans than motivating the locker room. There are a lot of guys who can motivate locker rooms. There are a lot of guys who can talk big talk. I don't know that, that there are any guys not, better than him, though. Sure, he's amazing at that, which yeah. is why I think that he will have a head coaching job in this league next season. Probably. What are the Giants going to feel like when he's on the opposite sideline? Or he's in? I think he's going to go to the Dolphins. I think that's a would be a good fit for him. How are they going to feel when he is in teal and orange? That'd oh, they, be weird, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just going to follow Parcells. They're just going to stand there and you know be like, "Oh, yay, Coughlin!" Whereas I'll be in my room throwing. Everything. Yeah, how will you feel? I'll, I'll be I'll be breaking things. I'll be furious because I do not agree with the decision to get rid of him at all. I think that it was a smart move because he's 69 years old and you need to send the message to the players, if not anyone else, that a 6-10 and 10 season back-to-back is not acceptable in this league. That is, we are the New York football giants. We win a Super Bowl once every five years. We've missed the playoffs for the last four years and we've got guys who are capable of doing that. You, you get to watch the Giants at least twice a year. Yeah, I mean, I watch them a lot because of SMI. But you watch them very well when you watch the Giants-Redskins. Like yeah. you, you're there watching the game. Yeah. In the last three years, have the Giants had good teams? No, not great teams, Who? but the division has been crap. Okay. If you've got a okay. crappy division, look, the Redskins haven't been great either. In fact, they haven't been good. This is the first year that they've been good. But guess what? They took advantage of a bad d- division, and that's something that the Giants should have been able to do this season. Who puts together That wouldn't have been that complicated. The, team? the teams have not been that good. At all. And even Mara said, we do not have championship players. Yeah, you've got Eli. Yeah, but of course he's going to say that after the season's over and they fire their head coach. Yeah, but he's got to give a reason. If he admits that they don't, if you're saying we don't have championship players, the one guy it falls on to get championship players is the GM. And for the last three years, the GM has not gotten you championship players. But it's also the job of those players to step up and play like championship players. But some players just aren't good enough. Yeah, okay, there are busts in the draft. He went and got the best wide receiver in all of the National Football League. I really love hearing you say this over and over again. But he is. I know. 100%. Hands down. There's no disputing that. And the fact that you want to fire this guy is absolutely absurd. So let me ask you this. If they were to promote either their defensive coordinator or their offensive coordinator, if you had to choose between one, Steve Spagnuolo 
or Ben McAdoo, who would you pick? Because that's one of the things that they're looking at right now is promoting the guys yeah, from within. I know. I'd pick Spags. I really would. I'd pick Spagnolo uh, because you saw what he did with the Rams, right? Yeah, I did. And but and I also wasn't good. when he left the Giants to go to the Rams, I said the Giants were making a huge mistake in letting him walk out because they should have made assurances to him at that point. At that point, he was the defensive mastermind. This was coming off of the Super Bowl. This was when he was the guy. Well, we'll ask an expert on this subject. Coming up next, Giants cornerback Prince Mukamara will join us. Stay tuned. All right, that's what she said, podcast listeners. We are at the Red Bull studio, and we would like to welcome in part of the Giants secondary cornerback, Prince Mukamara. Hi, Prince. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Um, season uh, has been over for like three days, unfortunately, so just trying to find my um, routine on, on what to do now. Well, yeah, that must be weird because you're used to doing things in such a formulaic way for so many months and then all of a sudden it's gone and you're like well what goes on now exactly and um me and my wife we had our first kid in june so our daughter's like six months now and congratulations thank you so then my um wasn't my excuse but it made sense for me not to get up during during season and then now it's like should i get up now i have no reason uh to, to, to get my sleep so I've been um kind of decide I know I know what I should do I should get up and help so I've been been trying to be as helpful as I can so what's dad life like um just a lot of uh baby noise noises um that I'm making to just try to communicate with my daughter and um uh, posting her on my Snapchat. Uh, yeah, she's got her own Instagram page. She's she a star does. out there. She does. She does. My wife has um, been handling that. And I'm um, just trying to, I don't know, my, my wife does mostly everything. And um, what gets me mad the most is when uh, I try to, I grab my daughter and then she's like reaching for mom and crying for mom. And in my head, I'm like, I'm your parent too and stuff. So I try to be memorable around her. That must be weird too because she's spent so much time with mom. Right. She's watched out on TV, but that might not register, right? Because she's only six months. Right. So now it's got to be dad like, totally injecting yourself into her life so she registers, you know, you too. You sound like a parent. Are you a parent? I'm, no, I'm okay. not, but I'm... I'm <laughs> I know, I sound like <laughs> one. I have a niece and nephew who are seven years old and watching them grow up. Um, yeah, it's really interesting watching, you know, parents and how they get involved with the kids' lives. True. Kyle, are you? Uh, no, I'm, a parent? I'm not. I'm not a parent. No, okay. you don't. You, don't you, know. you, you also have the benefit of being like an aunt that you can just be like, "Oh, go, go back to your parents now." Like I'm done. Right. Well, yeah. I also have a dog, and he is very Bear. much my yeah. child, mm. and he acts like a kid to both my husband and I. But if I'm not around a lot, he favors my husband, and then vice versa. That's kind of how it works. I mean, it's also <laughs> who has the most treats. But. Right, right. So let's go back to the season. Tom Coughlin resigns. What went through your head when you first heard he resigned? Well, like the first the first eleven weeks, um, like I, I thought he was going to be there for life. Like I, I knew he was on a one year deal or like a two year deal, but I thought he was going to like um, get another extension, like be there for life. And I didn't really get a sense until I started looking at Twitter and social media, like like his uh, his his careers on the line. I'm like. In my head, I'm thinking like, like why? And then it started to become real and real. And um, no one around the organization would really talk about it, but you would just kind of get that sense, like, 
like changes, changes coming and stuff. And especially how we were losing the games that we were losing, which definitely was not his fault. I think coaches coaching, players play. So at the, at the end of the day, um, the players have to um, execute whatever it's called. So I think it's more on on the players why we lose games and not and not the coaches. But um, that's a whole nother uh, conversation. But um, but yeah, it was. I think it was it was sudden. But um, I would say like the last game. Um, I would say more. More people were not more people were not surprised. Well, and I guess it had been the case for both last season and this season when you finish six and ten. Right. It's tough and you know, maybe it was time to make a change. Did you guys feel at all you know, I know that Eli had kind of really looked up to Coughlin as a father figure and I'm sure do you feel that way too, that he was a father figure to to you guys as players? Of course. Um uh, I think we all f- could agree that Coach Coughlin uh, definitely pushed us as um, pushed us to be the great the greatest players we can be on the field, and then also pushed us to be um, the greatest men we could be off the field. Also, I wasn't surprised because you know his age, and you know when you have you know when you miss the playoffs a couple years in a row, it ends up changing, and because you know regime changes happen so often now in the National Football League. But when Eli was, you know, tearing up at the press conference and Coughlin was, you know, saying all these emotional things towards Eli, did you watch that? Did you have any sort of reaction to that? Yeah, no, I was there. I was there live. Um, and and, and uh, one quote I do remember Coach Coughlin saying, like, Eli thinks it's Eli, you think it's your fault. It's not your fault. And um, I think that was a, a big moment in his um, in his press conference because Eli likes to take um, a, a lot of the blame too. Um, he is our leader. He, he is our captain. And coach was just reassuring him that um, it's not his fault. I thought coach um, did a great job of that. I agree. Do you have any good stories about Coughlin? Anything on the field where he taught you something that you'll take with you for the rest of your career? Um, gosh, he's he's always full of uh of so many so many quotes and um this one quote he he said uh he'd always say is don't tell me show me and then um and I would always repeat his quotes back to him and then I told him I said hey coach thanks for that quote I've been telling my wife that and um <laughs> and I would tell him like that she would always say she's gonna do something and I would tell her like hey don't tell me show me. And he was uh, he said, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. But the, the, you you uh, you said the quote right, but you didn't use it right. <laughs> that's right. He's like, that's not the context that I meant. I wasn't exactly. trying to get you know, wasn't trying to get you in the doghouse or get me in the doghouse. But yeah, that's great. And he seems to have a lot of people who have quotes like that, inspirational moments. Anything right. off the field, like with your daughter, with your wife, that he you know kind of that stuck with you that he was either congratulatory or he was really supportive during you know maybe an injury anything like that yeah well he, he definitely told me uh congrats when, when when we had my first daughter but um one one place where we connected the most was when he he would always do his uh, j fund foundation and um and the j fund is is just for um they they fundraise money to help families who who have like a, a cancer um patient in their family and they really help pay for like the bills that they won't be able to pay for so like like the doctor bills like rent um the gas bill like anything that um anything that can help them and so anytime we we would go down to jacksonville and we would bond there uh and and play golf and then he would have a big fundraiser here in the city and i would get to see his personality a little bit better how's your golf game um, I'm not fond of golf at all. <laughs> Why not? I'm a very competitive person, and I feel like with golf, 
if you like if you golf with four people and say you hit it, you don't hit it far or you hit yours in the water or whatever, like you have to wait like a long time just to get back in and compete with the other person. And, uh, man, and I like to talk trash and you can't really, I don't think you can talk trash. I'm more of like a ping pong guy. Oh, ah, ping pong's pool. cool. Yeah. Have you ever been to spin? Which is the ping pong club? Yeah, so funny story about that. I went there for the first time. Um, Victor Cruz had his birthday party there, and your husband uh, DJed, I think, for a little bit. But yeah. I never, I never knew he had that in his toolbox. I didn't know he DJed. Yeah, um, yeah, he does. He spins. Was the party fun? Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it, it was great. Uh, there was a guy there who was playing ping pong with his cell phone, and I guess he's pretty. Um, uh, a lot of people know know him there. He's a uh, like an Olympic ping pong guy, and he was playing with his like iPhone and and whooping people. That's really bizarre. How do yeah. you play with your iPhone? I don't know. I, I like guess he, the ping pong was hitting his iPhone. Hitting, he was using his iPhone as a paddle, and he was he was um, he was serving it back and forth. And yeah, it was pretty legit. That's so bizarre. So let's go back to Coffin for a second. If he were to get another job in the league, is that going to be weird for you to see him? And- it, it'll be very weird. And, um, I mean, and you, you see that the um, the Eagles have it, have an opening. And, I mean, that will be weird if he, like, stays – if he stays in conference. And, um, I mean, I feel like if he stays in conference, then it's, like – it's kind of, like, personal. Like, he – like I, 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 I would think so, but um, but I don't. I'm sure it's not. But uh, but there's a lot of like there's a lot of coaching positions. Like you see, uh, I mean, I uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw Lovey Smith just got released from from the Buccaneers. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's crazy about this business. Like no one is ever safe. And I realized that when the Colts let Peyton Manning go after what he did for them, I realized wow, like uh, we're all dispensable and um, <laughs> and no one, no one's safe. We were talking earlier on the podcast that we think the Dolphins could potentially, you know, be interested in Coughlin, mm. and that could be a good fit for him. You know, he's got Sue there, and he's got Tannehill, and um, Jarvis Landry is a right. is a big weapon. So, I thought that, that could potentially be a, a good fit, and maybe not so much, you know, right up against. Obviously, not in conference, and you know, I think taking the Eagles' job would be oh my god, would yeah, be crazy. I know, I know it's a Giants fan, <laughs> and then goes, if he goes to the Eagles, you think I'd be throwing stuff? What if you guys? What if you guys switch head coaches and? Chip Kelly came oh, to the Giants. Oh and my <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. No, no, thanks. no, thank you. That would be, yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be crazy. It'd be so much, so much media in both places. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty bizarre. Do you have anyone in mind that you would feel like would be a good head coach? You know what? Because my, um, my future isn't as secure with the Giants because my I just finished my last year there. I mean, I don't really know, but if if I did have say, um, I, I would I would say I wouldn't mind seeing Coach Bags, our defensive coordinator, or Coach Ben McAdoo, our our offensive coordinator. I feel like uh, I got to know them pretty well both there and seeing how they operate, and they seem like great candidates. So you finished your season out with the Giants. What's next for you? Do you know? So um, my agent's been educating me on this whole free agency process, and um, I think like March is when March is when you can start making moves. But if the Giants wanted to, they could extend me right now. But um, I think they're they're wanting to go. They wanting they're wanting to take a look at um, at free agency, which which they have um, the, the right to do. So it's just a waiting game and, and let um, these teams uh, figure everything out with the playoffs and the Super Bowl, and then. Um, and then hopefully right after that um, in March, uh, start getting calls. Yeah, it's interesting because this is the first time that you've been through this process and you just have a newborn daughter or six months old and you're starting a family and you're kind of now in this waiting game yeah. about what goes next. 
Would you want to be back with the Giants? Of course. Uh, I feel like anyone who's been drafted, uh, who's been first drafted to to by their by their team, like their first team, I feel like they would they would want to spend the rest of their career here and just have something steady and not move around. And, and then from everyone I hear who's left the Giants and came back, they always tell me like the Giants is not even um, second to none in in organizations. And um, and they said. Uh, they basically said the grass isn't always greener. So, like, you might think you want more money, but it's not worth it to go through what you're going to go through in the other organizations. I know you were born in Massachusetts and then you were raised in Arizona. Do you have any affinity for the Cardinals at all? Is there any sort of West Coast teams mm. that you fancy? Um, it, it would be cool to play for to play for um, your hometown, um, but, but not for too long. I feel like it's just way too many distractions. Mm-hmm. What was growing up in Arizona like for you? It was just hot. It was just very, <laughs> very, very hot. And even and then so when I left Arizona and went to Nebraska, um, I got used to cold, I got used to the cold. So I I love Four Seasons now. But in Arizona, I remember people would wear Uggs in like seventy degrees, and I'm thinking and. Um, it, I thought it was cold when I was living there, but after go, leaving there and coming back, it's like, why are you wearing Uggs? It's not, it's not that cold. Why are you wearing a, um, a Canadian like bomber jacket? Like it's not, it's not, it's it's not that cold. But um, but I love I love Arizona now. Um, it's almost like a, a, um, a California without without the beach, and um, they're starting to grow. They have like their hippie towns, and um, I love like organic and fresh food, and and they have that there too. Who's still there for you, family-wise? So my older sister's married. She lives in Nigeria, and my uh, sister's playing basketball in Spain, and then I have five sisters. And then my other sister plays for Arizona State. So I would say um, both of my parents and, like, three of my sisters. Wow. Yeah. And so growing up, your grandfather was the king of a village in Nigeria. Your dad was the chief of a village in Nigeria. And you are prince because you could possibly take the air of that village. What? That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, you have you have an amazing bloodline and heritage. Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds cooler than it really is. Which it, it is cool. It is a great title. Sounds like coming to America. Exactly. And I want to uh, <laughs> debunk that. It's so it's not like so when I go over there, it's not. I'm not getting rose petals thrown thrown at my feet. I'm not getting carried um, around. And it's not like. I like Prince Charles and them uh, do it in, in, in England. So it's so we have like this village of like maybe like like 500, 500 people in Nigeria. And um, my my great grandfather, um, which is my dad's grandpa, he married 34 wives, believe it or not. And I don't um, I don't agree with marrying more than one wife. <laughs> and um, so then so he populated this village and the village is there's like. There's a lot of uh, Amukameras in that in that village, and whoever becomes the first son, they get the title as prince. So prince is not only my name, like you said, it is a title. And I could be chief of the village, but my dad would have to um, pass away. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel any pressure? N- not really. My parents really want me to... Um, or They were talking like they wanted me to live there uh, for good. But um, and I told him I'm not ruling that out. But um, it's very hard to compete with America. So your parents want you to go back to Nigeria? Um, they well before like they wanted me to like to like live there and stuff. I think that was before. Um, 
I made it. I made it to to the NFL. Uh-huh. But um, but now they they still want me to visit, which me and my wife do. But um, it's not more as they wanted me to stay there for 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 good eventually, but not not anymore though. Do you get kids, little kids who you know come up to you and who are a fan of you, asking you, you know, are you a real prince or what the title prince means? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I get that a lot, and or the fathers of the daughters would say, "Hey, hey, honey, he he he's a little prince, and like you're a princess, <laughs> wow, and, um, and stuff like that." That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, what do you like? Do you explain to people exactly what you just said to me when they ask you what exactly prince means? <laughs> no, I just because yeah. it'll, it'll take too long. So I just yeah. I just let their imagination go and go however it goes. So and um and like girls would always use weak pickup lines like hey I could be a princess and stuff like that growing up so yikes you yeah. should just tell people just be like you seen coming to America it's exactly it, like that and then right. <laughs> and I'm sure it's, that's it's what they envision like so for me and my wife's wedding if you guys seen the movie like I wanted the guy to sing like she's your queen to be <laughs> and stuff like that but um she thought it was a little too much uh, she put she put the kibosh on that she yeah. said no alright well, maybe uh, in, in the movie version of your life, we could make that happen. That would be cool. So let me go back a little bit um, to this season and JPP. And I know yeah. you and Jason Pierre Paul are close. How do you know that? Because you guys are friends and Peter told me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she had um, inside information. I have the inside information. So with his hand and the fireworks incident, when you first saw his hand, I heard you had a pretty strong reaction. What was your reaction? Well, I saw the hand, like, I saw it surface on the internet, and, and um, I wasn't really sure because it wasn't him holding his hand, so, you never, so you'd never really know. But then when I saw it in person, it was just like, wow. Like, this is, this is real. Like, there's no, like, he has half, half a thumb, no index finger, and half a middle finger. And it's just like, like you, 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 you try to fathom because it's like the stuff you see like on movies and stuff. You, and I was just trying to fathom it, like, like wow. And then, um, and then I, and it's so funny. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it immediately. But it, but we always pray as a team. And then when I, when we prayed, I like held his hand, and I was like, he said, shut up. And then I was like, okay. And then I, we, I just kept closing my eyes or whatever. But it was just like, it was just weird. But um. But like a couple of days after uh, after he came in, like you just got used to it and never really never really brought it up. But I'm sure like when everyone everyone first saw it, it was just I mean that's all they could that's all they could look at. Right, and it must be bizarre too because he plays on your team, and you know it's not it's not necessary for him to have you know all five fingers working and functioning for him to play his position, but it's definitely helpful. Yeah. So when he has it all wrapped up. It affects how he plays. Yeah, I would I would say it it um it it affects it affects a little it affects a little bit because I mean he can't he can't really grip with that other hand I'm I'm guessing and I mean that's a big part of his game is to shut off blocks but I mean like he recovered two fumbles he bought he batted some some balls down he made he he made tackles he got um he got he got a couple of sacks some got called back so he was still productive and it and it's and it just shows you like you kind of wonder like how 
crazy he, w- he would have been or what kind of year he would have been had he had two hands. But I feel like he was still productive even with that, um, I call it a club. That's what, cause yeah. it, looks what it like what it is, but it, with that one club. Well, it's unbelievable what he was able to do. Right. And it just shows how amazing of an athlete he is because he didn't even go through the whole training camp process. Yeah. And he was just ready and came in, was at week 10 against the Bucks, And he was ready to go. And I mean, it took him a little while to get back into, uh, you know, game shape. Right. But it didn't take him that long. And that's really impressive for a guy who, you know, who's a big guy and, you know, defensive guy. That's tough to get right into it. Yeah, you're right. And I didn't, I didn't even think about all that. But yeah, he missed like a whole, he missed from, so we start in April and go, we start, we start in April, from April to June, we're training. So he missed all that. And then we start from um, August, all from the whole week of August and he missed all that. And yeah, he was still, I'm sure he was working out, but he was still, um, still came back in shape. And um, yeah, I'm proud of him. I'm just picturing you guys in the prayer circle and you going to grab his hand and being completely freaked out yeah. and being like, what is going on right now? It was for like a split second because I, I, I didn't even think about it. It just felt, it just felt different. I didn't even think about it. Speaking of prayer, you are a devout Christian. Yeah. Tell me what part of faith plays uh, a role in your football life. Yeah, so um, I really just try to um, allow it just really play in, in every part of my life. I feel like everyone has... Everyone has um, a, b- a belief system by which they operate. So whether it be whether it be Christian or whether it be they make up their own beliefs or just anything. And um, and just with football, like um, so, I get everything. I get everything from from the Bible. So um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, um, "And whatever and whatever you do, do it, do it with all your might and all your heart, um, as for the Lord and not for man." So um, that just tells me. So if I work hard for um, for Jesus. I'm going to please everybody else. So I, I should empty um, everything out uh, every time I'm on the field. So it actually makes the, the Christian athlete like go harder. The Christian, the Christian athlete should be going harder um, than everybody and shouldn't look, um, shouldn't look as like some soft guy who doesn't want contact or anything. But it also plays into your social life. Yeah. Uh, are you a drinker? Cause I- um, never. No, I never drank before. Not opposed to it. Just never got into it yet. So I I read something that you were maybe gonna try alcohol in your bachelor party. Yeah. Did you end up doing that? No, and I, I I didn't end up having um a bachelor party. Yeah, I told my wife I was gonna uh, I was gonna do that, but now um, we agreed to maybe I'll go like to Napa Valley and and just drink with her. But um, we haven't did that yet. Okay, so where does that fit in when you guys go out when you go clubbing and you're out in the scene? And I know there are a lot of um, charity events where there's drinking. How does that? unfold for you um i really don't have really i really i don't even feel tempted uh, to do it at all I just don't do it um it's it's funny watching other people um get drunk my my wife likes to drink uh occasionally too and um so yeah i don't feel tempted to do it huh that's really interesting because do you guys drink yeah yeah cool. socially yeah um and it's funny because you know Somebody who isn't is always the recorder of what's going on. Right. And you must have amazing oh memory and stories about all the different stuff that goes on. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, videos. Um, yeah. Everything you can name of. Well, not even videos. Just your mind is clear. So you remember. <laughs> Someone's like talking, oh, dude, I don't remember what happened last night. You're like, well, I do because I wasn't messed up. <laughs> you, may, you might want to take a week off and just calm down. So right. You remember everything. Right. So, yeah, like. When I would like when I was out in um, Nebraska, so um, you couldn't go downtown to like twenty one. So when I hit twenty one, my senior year, like I had the time of my life because that's where like 
that's where like all to me that's where all the fun ones like all the all the drunk sorority people all the drunk frats all like all the drunk everybody were just downtown bar hopping and um and it would get it, and it was fun being there cuz it's so Nebraska like football's the only sport so you're like you automatically feel like an NFL player because football is, is like the biggest thing they have there so i i would get noticed and then guys it's just it's just so annoying like people would talk to me and and they would just like spit they would just spit on my on my lips and my lips they're they're not as normal as um they're not the normal size but it was like spit and that would be my biggest pet peeve so i like i would i had to stop going downtown sometimes because of that it was just too much do you get recognized in new york a lot yeah and i get and and i get surprised cuz i feel like um besides my lips i don't feel like there's anything that really um that really distinguishes me from another african american person so um yeah i get i get very surprised but yeah i do any good stories about anyone that's recognized you or fans or anything um, funny? It's funny. Some people, the thing is, some people don't recognize me for Prince. They'll recognize me from like a guy from The Wire. And I haven't I haven't seen The Wire <laughs> yet, but I Google the guy of who they're talking about. Or, um, gosh, I forgot. But I've gotten like a couple of guys consistently and I'll just go with it. Or they'll say, hold on, you look you look familiar. You look like, um, you look like somebody and I'll just... Say, um, oh, you talk the, the cop from Law and Order, and I don't even know who, but I'll just say something. <laughs> do you have, if you were to stay in New York, do you have a desire to become a big star and become more recognizable? Do you like your low profile? Um, like a Michael Strahan, you mean? Yeah, or, uh, you know, Odell with his hair is pretty mm. recognizable. I wouldn't mind it. Like, I do want to, I do have aspirations to do acting after football, so I, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it at all. What kind of acting? I can do pretty much anything i'm open to actually hold on i'm not open to any role but i'm open to any part of acting so whether it be broadway or um or sitcom or a movie or anything like that you gotta talk to victor about getting on ballers i know like when i him and jp were on there and then when i saw victor on there he just he just smiled he smiled at me when i when we came in to uh to work to work the next day do you watch a bunch of shows and movies yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm huge in that. What are you watching now that you like? So, um, I try to watch. I try to watch uh, on Netflix called Making a Murderer. Yeah, I try to watch that, but I couldn't. I couldn't really get get into it. Is it pretty good? It's pretty good. So I'm in the second or third episode, and it gets really good. So what is it? What is it about? It's essentially about a guy who was framed for something he didn't do. That's Stephen Avery. Yeah, all of it's about Stephen Avery. The whole the whole season. It all unfolds about his life. So he was framed for something he didn't do. He spent 18 years in jail. Then he comes out, and then I'm at the part right now where he's framed for something else that he didn't do, and they're trying to prove whether he did it or not. Again. Gosh. I know. It's crazy. But So I would like... I, I like How to Get Away with the Murder. Yeah. Um, I like... Um, All these murder shows. You're a violent guy, huh? Um, I mean, you're a football player. <laughs> he seems way too low-key. I know. He's like, yeah. super chill, and he's like... There was another one. What was I watching? Did how you ever see Narcos? I tried to get into that too, and I and I couldn't. One of the fans. I like the affair. Yeah, I like, I like that too. Okay. Homeland, and right now I'm watching Bachelor. Okay, yeah. that's all right. Do you watch it with your wife? Uh, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I'm in a Bachelor bracket. So I'm like I said, I'm competitive. So I'm just trying to win. So I have to. Um, I'm just. I just have to. I'm just trying to win. Win this, and it, it's a cool. It's a cool. It's a cool little 
show. I like it though. It's cool. Who's in your bracket? Um, like who who all does the bracket stuff together? Is it a bunch of the giants or in like a bracket? No, or and if they were, I would not say it. <laughs> but no, it's just a bunch of my um, uh, friends from uh, from from Nebraska. And your wife is doesn't watch it all. No, she will. She'll, she'll probably watch it with me. I'm not watching it with her. That's so funny. Yeah, that's I love it. Cool. That's a it's a great uh, reversal of roles. I know. It's but I love that when that kind of stuff happens. What kind of movies are you watching now? Anything? You see anything recently? Um, it's funny. I, I just saw the the Revenant. Okay. Is that what it's called with he, Leonardo DiCaprio? He says like twenty words in the whole I movie, know, and that's it. I know, and um, and I slept uh, mid midway through it. I haven't um. I haven't been to the, uh, the theater as much. I was like, but I, I'd want to see um, Creed. I think that's the one. That's yeah. Creed is really good. I didn't see it yet. Oh, it's supposed really to be amazing. Yeah. Would you want to play a dramatic role? Would you want to be in comedy? I feel like so, like um, not Django, but like Twelve Years Slave. I feel like I could, I could be like the perfect, the perfect slave um, in that in like that movie, and um, and I could do like an uh, an African accent and stuff like that. So I feel like I'd be great on it. Can you do an African accent for I us right now? Say that. Um, <laughs> you did set yourself up. For I know. Um, it just depends. Like, what do you want me? What do you want me to say? Well, uh, talk to us about your tribe. Okay. Um. Okay, let me try to freestyle it. Uh, okay, so back in the village where 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 you you will see goats and you will see lion, you will see monkey. You, I can't go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it still wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. That was pretty good. Um, Prince, thank you so much for being here. It was amazing to talk to you. If you want to follow Prince on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Prince of Mukamara. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, we're going to shout you out. Uh, we are at the Red Bull Studios, by the way, with these gorgeous studios. They are redoing them, and it's going to be amazing. If you want to check out what they're doing here, make sure you follow them at RB Studios NY and follow Dad's What She Said podcast at Alexa NYC. The last thing we do every podcast is tell an embarrassing story. So I'm going to go first. Uh, it's short and sweet, but then uh, you're up next. So you got to give us something embarrassing. All right. Okay. So when I was a sideline reporter at MetLife, a couple of years ago, I decided to go in a little early and it was my first time at MetLife. I'm a big Redskins fan. So I kind of felt like an enemy ter- territory, right? Mm. I kind of like invaded uh, the other side. So when I walk into the press room, because I'm there as a sideline reporter, there's a giant, right before you walk in, there's a giant poster of Tom Coughlin. And I was like, ooh, this will be funny. For some reason, Young stupid me thought it'd be funny to take like selfies with me, like pointing at Tom Coffin, like, look at this guy, look at this loser, even though he's not at all, he's a total winner, but just kind of making fun of him. So I'm taking these selfies, pointing at Tom Coughlin, making funny faces, and one of the guys from the state who's running the whole tournament walks out of the press room and he goes, Excuse me, uh, ma'am, fans aren't allowed up here, you have to go downstairs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, no, no. Come on, down the stairs. Keep going. Keep going down all the way down the stairs. So I'm forced to walk down the stairs because I was way too embarrassed to admit that I was there as the sideline reporter. I'm standing at the bottom of the staircase like, what do I do now? Oh. I snuck back in and eventually got around him, but I was mortified by the fact that he thought I was a fan and I looked stupid making fun of Tom Coughlin. This is what I get, by the way. And that's the closest I've ever come to Tom Coughlin. And that's why, because I just made a complete fool of myself. By the way, I have the photo. I'll post it on Instagram to show all you guys, uh, listeners of the Dad's What She Said podcast. It was unbelievable. That's what you get for mocking Tom Coughlin. That's what I get. get? Uh, Karma. I'm telling you. Prince, what do you got? It doesn't go to Kyle? No, I'm just the producer. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I'm um, a silent observer who talks occasionally. So my pastor, Carl Lentz, he's a pastor of a church called, called Hillsong here in the city. And um, he had his birthday party at uh, at the 4040 Club. And 
there was there's this guy and girl on the couch and I was talking to the guy and stuff like that, just like small talk and then um and then the girl comes up and then I said, Oh shoot, you guys look look alike. Are you two um I like I uh fraternal twins or brothers and sisters? And they just laughed it off and said no. And then I found out that that was Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. amazing. I hope no they don't know who I am. Yeah. That is hilarious. Wow. And so you didn't recognize Justin Bieber at all? Um, I I kind of I kind of thought it was, but he had a beanie on, and I couldn't tell. And um, <laughs> and I never I never really seen um Haley Baldwin this was like a like like a year and a half ago I never really seen Haley Baldwin but um but now I'm following both of them on snap so now I know who they both are <laughs> that's amazing all right thank you so much we really appreciate it fans make sure to follow us all on Instagram and Twitter as I gave out our handles thank you Kyle for being here Prince You're thank welcome. you for being here thank you and let's go get a snack